This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 79 of Small Talk. I'm your host, Michelle Smallman. And how about those St. Louis Battlehawks? Huge win at the Dome for their first home game. And I got to tell you, the Battlehawks are the talk of the town. And they're the talk of the XFL. Cannot wait for this weekend's second home game at the Dome. That building was rocking last weekend. What an awesome time. Anyway, that's all I really wanted to say because I could go on and on about the Battlehawks. And that's not why you're here. But... Go Battlehawks. Thank you for indulging me in that. Caca. So back to why you are here. The last podcast ended with Saruti and I chatting about movies, or more accurately, Steve gushing about 1917. A lot of talk about World War I and some battle techniques. So let's pick things up with a convo about a movie from this award season that I loved. What did you think of Marriage Story? Because I feel like in the same line as what you're saying, people either loved Marriage Story or they hated Marriage Story. So Maddie and I watched it. Obviously, I had read a lot about it. People loved it. People specifically loved Adam Driver's role, right? He was amazing. I didn't understand why Laura Dern, I mean, I love Laura Dern. Big Laura Dern fan. Didn't understand why that, that didn't really register as me as best supporting actress. Like I just, I was very surprised by that. Oh, I Um, thought she was great. She was good, but I feel like she wasn't even really in the movie that much. Like it was, she wasn't like a major part of the movie. But anyway, neither here nor there. Well, can I say one thing um, about that? Didn't, yeah, go ahead. I think it was award worthy because every time she was on screen, she stole the show. Every time. Did Laura? Did Laura Dern win anything for Big Little Eyes? Because she was better in Big Little Eyes. Uh, I agree with she that, was phenomenal and that. I'm not sure we need to look into that. But that just shows you how dynamic of an actress she is to me. Anytime. She's great. She was on the scene. I forgot about Scarlett. I forgot about whomever. Laura Dern, to me, in that movie, when she came on camera, she stole the show. Yeah, I couldn't get over Scarlett Johansson's haircut, so oh, man, I didn't, was wasn't, terrible. wasn't a huge fan terrible of her aspect, haircut. although I know she's a good actor, so I'm not going to sit here. This isn't a me hating on her thing. But I thought um, I thought, but, the, I thought the choice of hair could have been better. Yes, I agree. It was, it, just, it was distracting. It was like, why does she have to look like that? Correct. Like, I don't understand. Why does she have to look like, she looks like Matt Damon in fucking, what's that movie? talented Mr. Ripley. Like, she had the same what? haircut. I'm like, How dare why you disrespect Damon in that movie? First of all, talented Mr. Ripley's on my Mount Rushmore films, and Ooh, okay. love that movie, and I think it's because I'm biased because I love the Amalfi Coast and Italy so much that it's oh, more, well, yes, it's a great movie, and I think Gwyneth and Jude Law, I mean, it's stacked. Gwyneth, Matt Damon, Jude Law, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Kate Blanchett, yeah. I mean, powerhouse roster, okay? But I think I love that movie so much because my ideal aesthetic in life, like we talk about J-Lo, whatever, if I could be anything, I would essentially be, before all the shit goes awry, Gwyneth and the talented Mr. Ripley. I would live in a crop top in Italy, in the Amalfi Coast, take out the boat when I want. Oh my God, I'm going to make out with my hot boyfriend here. We're going to drink a spritz on the beach. To me, that is ideal. So- I totally agree with you, and we keep getting sidetracked. I, so I want to keep this very short, yeah, but like Gwyneth Paltrow just made me think because have you seen Goop Lab? <laughs> you know I've seen Goop Lab. You know I've so seen it. So I haven't seen it, but every time I see it on Netflix, I think of you. It just seems like the most insane shit ever, but with that, well, maybe I'll have to watch Goop Lab when that's neither here nor there. Back to Marriage Story. Back to Marriage I Story. This. I don't doubt that it was a well-thought-out and well-acted, well-written. I don't doubt that it was really well-done. I just got no enjoyment out of it. It pissed me off. Every single argument they had, and maybe that's maybe this is that's why it was such a good movie because I was like, and it didn't bring any sort of joy. It just brought anger out of me because I'm like, wow, this sucks. All Adam Driver. I mean, spoiler alert. Sorry if you haven't seen this. Stop listening now. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. But like, 
Adam Driver just wants everything to be amicable. He doesn't want anything. And then Laura Dern's character, which is maybe why she's so great in the, mo- in the movie, is take, you know, he'll give an inch and they take a mile. And like I'm sitting there going, he's trying to be the nice one here, and he's being fucked over for it, and that's annoying to me. And I, at the end of the movie, just end up resenting Scarlett Johansson's character. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But the movie brought me absolutely no joy. Like, I was just mad at the end of it. So maybe that's a sign that it was a great movie. Yeah. But, like, I didn't have... And maybe that's what you feel about Manchester by the Sea. It's like, all I had was... All it was was doom and gloom. And there was no enjoyment in it. But, like, that's how I felt at the end of it. I'm like, well, shit. Now I'm just pissed off about this. Divorce sucks. And Adam Driver's character got screwed over. And now he's going to live in this shitty apartment that he doesn't want to live into and give up on his dreams. And cut his hand open. What's up? Yeah, like... I I, you know, like, and that, that, so, that was kind of my thought on marriage story. Like, I, it was just, anno- it was more frustrating than it was enjoyable. That's a sign of great art. It makes you feel something and it resonates with you that much, right? And for marriage story, the reason that I loved it so much, it's kind of threefold. First of all, I think it was an incredibly real depiction of what it's like to fall out of love with someone because there's moments where they wanted to murder each other and there were moments where they were softer with each other because they're remembering how they used to feel. Then you think about the family involved when the mom's like, I still mm-hmm. love him. You brought him into our family and I don't want I don't want this to end this way. I still want to have a relationship. But then the daughter's like, you're supposed to be loyal to me. You're my mom. I have friends who've gone through divorces and I feel like that's what it's like. It's messy and it's emotional and it's up and it's down and it doesn't fit neatly into a package, especially if there's kids involved. So I just felt like it was very real. And then at the end, oh my God, Steve, I was on an airplane coming back (laughs) from America. I was already emo anyway. And at the end, spoiler alert, when he reads the letter to his son, I was sobbing, sobbing. I could not regain composure because I was just like, it just broke my heart. As someone who's been through a terrible breakup, when you're in the immediacy of the breakup, all you can feel is pain and anger and these emotions that overtake you. And then in the years after it, you're like, oh yeah, remember when they did that? That's nice. That's why I loved that person. And so after it had kind of subsided for him to read the letter and to never know in all of those years as they were going through that awful process, the way she really felt about him, I just thought was so heartbreaking. It was mm-hmm. so sad. I'm glad I stuck it out to the end for that purpose, but there were times when I was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. <laughs> because, it because it was so real? Good. Because it was Not so because real? it wasn't good, but I'm just like, I'm just getting more and more pissed off about this. That fight that they, the one fight that they had in his apartment when she came over, I was like, Oh my, and I I was mad at both of them. I thought he was so rude and I thought she was cutting and awful. But then I thought, you know what? If I had gotten into a really heated fight with someone I was in a relationship with and someone filmed it and then an independent group of people watched it, I bet they would find flaws in both people. That's why I thought it was so accurate. Yeah, no, Alexa, I don't deny that it was really well done and it was probably very accurate. I just did not enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fair. Wait, okay, so speaking of this, that's kind of how I felt about the Taylor Swift documentary. I understand why people were into it. And oh, so you've seen it, right? I've seen it. And let me just say this. I'll preface our discussion on this by saying the only thing that you and I probably disagree more on other than whether or not baseball is a good sport or not is Taylor Swift. So I'll start there. Okay, well, then let's start with your opinion on it. What did you think about the Taylor Swift documentary? I thought it was very interesting to see her 
struggles. I thought it was very interesting to, I thought the part when she gets called by what I assume is her agent or her manager about not being nominated was like heartbreaking. I thought the political stuff was very, very interesting. And like, I see both sides of the situation, but at the end of the day, like it's her life or career. I'm glad she did what she did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the eating stuff was very interesting as well. I think maybe the most interesting part about it was, and I, I, this is coming from someone who I genuinely did not like reputation at all. You know, I know we talk about, you know, I miss the old Kanye. Like I miss the old Taylor. I do. I liked her when she was more of a country singer. Like I like her early album. I'm not trying to be that hipster dude, but I just, I like her early stuff better. I haven't yeah. really loved, although I did like lover. Um, although I will say I didn't like, I probably liked half of the album and that's a problem. Whereas like old Taylor Swift albums, I used to like the entire album. Hmm. So I thought it was really good. And I thought it showed a side of her that, maybe people don't get to see a lot, which is like her being upset and being vulnerable because I think a lot of people, Taylor Swift's one of the most easy people in the world to pick on because she's pretty, she dates a lot of famous people. She's a female. There's a million different reasons why she's an easy person to pick on. And I thought, you know, showing the real side of that and how that affects her. And then I think maybe the most powerful moment of the entire thing was when she was talking about how she won all those awards, right? She won the Grammys, the albums of the year, and she felt like she had no one to share it with. I mean, I thought the whole thing, and listen, you and but you put it you put it as well as anyone could put it when, and, and I think you tweeted this out a couple weeks ago. If you like Taylor Swift or you're a Taylor Swift fan, going into that, you liked the documentary. If you had issues with Taylor Swift, you probably still had issues after the documentary. So I was a Taylor Swift fan, not as much as I used to be, and I liked it, and I liked her vulnerability. But I understand why people who are annoyed with her would still be annoyed with her. Yeah. So I appreciate your take on that, and I agree with a lot of what you said. Surprisingly, so. I am a noted, I don't want to say Taylor hater because I don't hate her, but I just, I don't like her. I don't like, so, okay, let me, let me back up. Let me start over. I am all about women. I love supporting other women. I would be the type of person that would support Taylor Swift, okay? But the reason I never liked Taylor Swift is because I don't know who Taylor Swift is. To me, she was such a calculated image of herself. It was like, who are you? It was just wash, rinse, repeat. Same thing over and over. I dated this guy. He broke my heart. It's not my fault. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. I'm best friends with all these models. It just felt like everything about her was fake and forced. And as much as I want to support other women, there's nothing I hate more than dishonesty, whether it's about who you are or what you're doing. Hence my rant on the Astros. I just, I hate people that fake it. There's nothing fake Same. about me. Yep. And, I, and I don't say that to toot my own. I just feel like I have nothing to hide. I'll tell you if I suck at something. I'll tell you my weaknesses. Stop trying to put on a front and be this caricature of yourself, right? And I felt like that's what Taylor Swift was. So when I was watching the documentary and she basically admitted all that saying, yeah, I don't even really know what I am because the labels wanted me to be this. And I was watching it going, yep. Yep. Okay. Right. We all know this about you. But then when she addressed the Kanye situation, because to me, I was always team Kanye in that battle because it felt like. What? So hold on. Not, not when he went on stage, (laughs) not when he went on stage. I thought that was so rude and so wrong. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the phone call because when he released that Taylor Swift line and famous And then she bounces back being like, I can't believe this, blah, blah, blah. And he released the tape. I thought to myself, I doubt that he would have done that 
knowing their history without some sort of approval. You know Kanye's Michelle. team of people. It's not even Kanye's team of people. It's the Kardashian element, okay? It's the Kendall Jenner's hanging out with Taylor, etc. I just felt like there was something else there. And then, boom, here comes the video with Kanye talking to Taylor and her saying, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Like, do it, do it, whatever. Okay. Go ahead. This okay, go ahead. Go ahead. This go might ahead. be the biggest disagreement we've ever had. First off, you are sitting here saying that you are believing the integrity of Kanye West and the fucking Kardashians? No, 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 no. And don't also, say integrity. I don't say integrity. on that tape that said she was okay with saying, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. I made that bitch famous. We have no idea what she said he could say. I have a hard time believing that she would be cool with that. Like, I just, I mean, listen, I don't like the Kardashians at all, but I do like and respect Kanye's him as an artist and his creative process or whatever. I mean, in the same way, I like old Kanye more than I like new Kanye, but there's no way I, I feel like the Kardashians and Kanye come off as the believable party here. Oh, listen, first of all, you threw out the, a big I word there in integrity. I'm not talking about the integrity of the, I'm not saying I ride for Kanye and everything he believes in are the Kardashians. No, but it just felt like there was something missing there. You know what I mean? I just felt like, all right, I don't really get all this. So when the tape came out, I was like, whatever, boom. And yeah, I was like, gotcha, you're fake. Because I do think Taylor's fake. So I'm not saying I was like, oh my God, I'm going to ride with Kanye 100% on everything. No. But I do think Kanye's more of his authentic self than Taylor is, right? Kanye will say things that people don't like. Kanye will be a jackass and then say, yeah, I'm a jackass. I own it. You know what I mean? So, But I feel like Kanye is the anti-Taylor in that they're both flawed because Kanye does that shit because he wants attention. And he hides behind, I'm being an artist or whatever. So I think they're both think flawed on total opposite, opposite ends of the spectrum. I but, think everything after My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is an attention-grabbing Ooh, BF I loved Life of Pablo. Deal. I loved Life of Pablo, Steve. Uh, okay, I shouldn't say that. I did yeah. like Life of Pablo, but I also think there were a lot of things in Life of Pablo that were stupid. Okay, like right. that line, per se. And again, I'll go back to the tape. Nothing on that tape. That tape, all that tape proved was that, that, that they talked on the phone. It didn't, there was no agreement over what the lyric was supposed to be for all we know kanye could have just been like i'd like to reference you in one of my songs and she's like all right like, sure. I mean, maybe that's her maybe that's her being naive and not going you know and, and vetting out the whole situation and try to figure out what exactly the lyric was but that that video to me proved absolutely nothing but part of the reason I dislike Taylor is because of this constant victimization that she presented and i feel like the kanye moment was okay. the genesis of that and listen he was in the pretty big victim spot for her though i mean she was 100 percent in the right there she was he was in the wrong i thought it was gross what he did i thought he took advantage of a young girl in that moment he came out later and said he was very fucked up in that moment but like whatever yeah his mom and his yeah yeah, i mean i'm not justifying what he did i think it was gross but i'm saying she was talented but then she became oh my god poor taylor and i felt like she rode that poor taylor wave whether it was john mayer dumped me or jake gyllenhaal dumped me or oh my god people don't like me like she was surfing that victim wave for a long time and i was just over it i thought it was tired so i'm i'm watching this documentary and i went in super eyes wide open i thought okay she's being vulnerable here and i'm appreciating it and there were parts of it that surprised me with her first of all i never thought she was that talented i thought her lyrics were lacking i thought Uh, it just seemed it just seemed like a factory to me but she proved me wrong watching her put together a song and the way she worked and the way her mind worked i thought was really interesting and i gave her a lot of credit for her talent after watching that documentary i also thought the things that she did politically and i'm not even 
taking a stance here one way or the other was brave because the whole theme of this was how she was so manufactured and how she constantly had to adapt to what all of these other people wanted from her. So for her to break free and say, I really believe in this and I'm just going to do it. I don't care if you like it or not. I thought was awesome. And I really saluted her for that. And I thought that she was great in talking about why she felt the way she did politically because of her sexual assault case. And she opened up about a lot of things that I gave her credit for. But there was also moments in there when I was like, okay, you're kind of doing the same thing. She talked and talked and talked about how her relationship was private and she was falling in love. But then to shoot you with your new boyfriend and to even acknowledge that you're in a relationship in this documentary is negating, it's the complete opposite of keeping it a secret. If you're so gung-ho on keeping your relationship private, why are you filming it for a documentary? Spare me that. First and foremost, I'll say this. I've always respected Taylor because I knew that she wrote her own songs and wrote her own music and that I respect anyone that writes their own music and writes their own songs. Agreed. You say that her lyrics, you basically are implying that her lyrics are basic. I wouldn't disagree with you, <laughs> but I think you could say the same thing about Drake. You could say the same exact thing about Drake. And I think Drake is mm, We live in the so, same building, but we got different views. Hits home, Steve. Listen, I think that they, <laughs> I, I would argue that Drake is the hip-hop Taylor Swift. And I think both of them, the reason that they're so popular is because their lyrics and their songs are incredibly relatable, right? And that's one of the things that I've always liked about her is not only did she write her own music, but she was genuinely relatable to a lot of people, including myself, who first started listening to Taylor Swift and he's like a 20-year-old beauty college going, wow, why do I like this song? I feel like, how do I, how do I possibly like this stuff? I don't even like country music. I'm not a huge pop fan, right. but I like Taylor Swift. And it's not just because it's catchy, right? It just like kind of makes you feel good. And I, so I've always respected her because of that. And I think the whole like, you know, oh, she dates so many guys thing. I don't know. I, I just, do we get mad at John Mayer about that? Like we kind of. Yeah, not we got really, really mad at him with the Jessica Simpson stuff. We got really mad at him for that. Yeah, but we, I don't know. We, I feel like, and you know me, like I'm typically on the opposite side of this where I'm like, you know, all right, there's that much of a difference. Um, between, you know, what John, what someone like John Mayer or someone like Taylor Swift to go through, where I go, yeah, I think like with John Mayer, we like applauded it and it was great. And because John Mayer is, you know me, I, we both love John Mayer, but I mean, John, I love John Mayer. I will say that he didn't get sort of the shit that Taylor Swift got for writing a shit ton of songs about girls that he's dated. So I don't know. Like I've, I've always sort of been on Taylor Swift's side and I don't, I guess I didn't see her as being fake. I saw her as, yeah, she, maybe she wrote a lot of songs about the same thing, but those things were, I mean, falling in and out of love, breakups, things like that. Those are all super fucking relatable things. And she did a really good job of writing songs that were creative enough and different enough to keep entertaining people for the better part of a decade. So I've always really respected her. And, you know, now I know she's trying to get, you know, like I said, I didn't really love reputation. I don't really love the new stuff that she's doing. And maybe that's me, like, not liking the, you know, not embracing, like, her growing as an artist. But... I never had a problem with her because I didn't, I didn't feel like she was disingenuous. I felt like all that was real. Like you could maybe argue that she, you know, gets into too many stupid relationships and, you know, doesn't know how to date the right people. You can certainly say that, but I don't think that those songs weren't genuine. Like I think they, they were all pretty genuine. So, okay. I'm going to say something nice about her before I shit on everything you just said. (laughs) (laughs) So I will say this. I found one part of it to be incredibly relatable when she was talking about eating 
And when she was talking about the pressure she felt as a woman to be a certain way, I resonate with that. I think most women do. And I think yep. for guys, they will, n- and I, you know me, Steve, I never do this woman card, man card. I just, I really don't do that. But I think guys will never understand what it's like to feel this societal pressure to be a certain way. Guys don't have to worry about, oh, you're not married by this age. We talked about Jennifer Aniston mm-hmm. earlier. I read her article where she's like, society feels like I'm worthless because I'm not a mother. You know, that's insane to me. I feel like I've accomplished so much in my life, but because I don't check this box that makes them feel comfortable, they're constantly searching for what's wrong with me. And yep. I, and when she was talking about that, I resonate with that because I work in a male-dominated industry and it's constantly, you're hot, you're not hot enough. I love your opinions. You don't say enough. You don't give hot takes. So it's never enough. And I feel like men deal with that as well, but not so much from a physical standpoint. You know, a guy can mm-hmm. be I agree. Yep. overweight or whatever, and he doesn't get, for instance, if I was to be a sideline reporter, it would be like, you're not as hot as Aaron Andrews, or you're hotter than so-and-so, or I hated your outfit. I hated your hair. It's never about what you're saying or your delivery mm-hmm. or how hard you work. It's always about your appearance. So I felt that from her. I really did. And, you know, when she was talking talking about somebody breaking in her apartment and sleeping in her bed and the violation she felt. I felt that. I felt that. And I appreciated her revealing all of that. But the whole thing to me was about this image that she's had to calculate her entire life. And the documentary felt calibrated to me. It felt like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm a villain. How do I become more vulnerable? It felt like, what are all these things that people deal with and how do I relate to them? The whole thing just felt very contrived. So you have to understand, like, and we're talking about probably the pre-reputation stuff. I mean, everyone shit all over her and made fun of her. That is an incredibly difficult thing to, um, I imagine, overcome. So, like, I don't know. Like, I was okay with her. And like I said, I didn't like the album, but I, I understood how shitty that must have felt when basically she she went away for a year because she felt like people, people didn't want to see her anymore. You're right. Like, I do feel like some of it was, like, her just playing, like, look at how shitty some aspects of being famous are. Which I think is, yeah, it comes with the territory. Like, that's what you signed up for. Sorry. But I don't know. Like, I get why you're saying you're annoyed by it. But I guess I just came, I come from, from a totally different spot where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. It must have been really shitty during that time. And maybe there are a lot of other people that are going through that that aren't necessarily as famous as her but can sort of relate to that of, of not being good enough for people or people thinking that you're – or, like, people slut-shaming you or whatever because you yeah. hear people like – I don't know. Like, I, I didn't look at that as her going, oh, look at me. Like, I have it so shitty. Like, I, I just didn't look at it that way. I don't know. Parts of it were still Taylor Swift victim. I would have liked to see her the entire time be like, fuck you guys. You know, fuck these guys I've dated. Fuck what people say. I don't give a shit. I'm going to talk about politics. And I'm going to do it. And listen, that might not be her personality. And I get that. But I also feel like you can't start a documentary saying everyone hates me because they think I play the victim and then make the entire thing about how sad you are and how you didn't win awards and how you're dealing with all of these issues because you're still playing the victim. And I get that that's her real life, but to me it just felt very short-sighted to make the theme that and then then act like that. But I feel like towards the end she, and maybe not successfully enough for you, but tried to turn it into like the I'm I'm trying to represent women here yeah right? and, and she did and i commend her and i and so maybe part of that is her but i think you know i i just feel like it was more about like her you know like showing her struggles as a way to relate to other women and making it about how shitty some circumstances can be for women you know what i mean that's 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 the way i took it i and 
but but I don't think she can do that without opening up and show, and talking about how that relates to her personally. So she couldn't have done she couldn't have done both things. She couldn't be open. She couldn't be an advocate for sexual abuse and women's rights and all this stuff without actually showing how that's affected her life. I get it. I get your point. And like I said, I took away many positives from it, but I still was like, okay, it doesn't really seem like you're that different. (laughs) I think she is different because you have to understand too. And you know, she's still like a, I mean, she grew up in what, Tennessee. Why do I think she grew up in Pennsylvania? I don't know why I thought that. Let's see. Um, I know she lives in Nashville because she talked about that in the doc, but, or well, she lives in New York city and has a place in Nashville, but she is from standby. We have got research on this and they're informing me Pennsylvania research, research, okay. Okay. Me Googling it. She's from Pennsylvania. I I think the the issue here is like, she's still like a girl from Pennsylvania, which is red brother American country. Right. Mm -hmm. And, even partially in Tennessee when she's trying to get what's her name elect or uh, what's her name not elected. She grew, I think she grew up in the whole, and she kind of talks about this, the whole like, you know, you're just supposed to be nice and shut up and not ruffle any feathers. And so for her, this is being pretty rebellious. She's not from the Northeast where like, you know, everyone's super liberal and woke and expresses their feelings and talks about women's rights and women's issues and things like that. Like, I think that that is uncomfortable for her because of probably where she came from. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's like she came from like Alabama or the deep South or whatever, and nothing against that. You know, I'm sure there are fine people from every state, but it's just a different way of growing up. So I want, I always, I did wonder in the back of my mind, this is stepping out for her, even if it's just a little bit, not being terribly different, it is different. And I did, I did actually wonder too, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is, this is maybe the one major issue that I had with it. Do you think there was really going to be that much backlash? And I don't think there really was when she came out against Donald Trump, basically, because to me, if you are a famous person in the limelight, that is only going to get you positive press, right? So them saying, oh, you're going to cut your audience in half. I totally disagreed with that. I'm sure you're going to ruffle feathers from some of your main fans, but I can't imagine there are that many hardcore conservatives listening to Taylor Swift albums, you know, like, and I know that the Donald Trump thing of like, oh, I like her 25% left. How many fucking Donald, how many Taylor Swift albums does Donald Trump listen to or most of his supporters? So I kind of, I sort of disagreed with her. Well, I think it was her dad and some of her advisors yeah. mm-hmm. on how much that would have impact. I, I think actually that probably helped her more than hurt her. So I, I get what you're saying. I think you're thinking about it from a PR standpoint that it would help her. I think they're taking the Michael Jordan approach to it, saying, hey, conservatives buy sneakers too. And they referenced this in the doc, the Dixie Chicks, about how them speaking their mind politically alienated a certain percentage of their audience. And those are people, obviously a lot of people that follow Donald Trump do so very emphatically. And if Taylor Swift is coming out against him, those people are not going to buy her albums and give her money. So I think that they were kind of looking at it from a business standpoint saying, why would you alienate anyone that's going to pay yeah. for your music? Yeah, I w- I'd be interested to know what's the, the was a Q rating or whatever. Yeah. I, I would bet that that helped her more than it hurt her. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I agree. And I also think that Okay, like, for instance, someone on earth that I just cannot stand is Chris Brown. I think he's so gross, but guess what? There are songs that come on, and he sings the hook, and I'm like, damn, that's a good song. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know a great point. That's so, a great point. I mean, I'm not, I'm not above listening to Forever by Chris Brown and, you know, mm-hmm. moving my shoulder a little bit. And I can be like, ugh, he is the worst, and I do not buy his music, and I don't support him. Well, that's but why, I can be like, and wow, that's, why, that's a good song. 
and that's a great point. And like again, like we're not trying, we're not trying to do like this isn't like small talk politics one on one here. But like that's <laughs> twenty twenty. That's why I like the cancel culture thing, man. Like I don't know. I just think you everything doesn't have to be black or white. Okay, it doesn't have like I could, you can listen to a Chris Brown song and not like him as a dude. Like that, I think that's I think that's a fairly acceptable thing to do. You can be a conservative Trump reporter a supporter and still listen to Taylor Swift. Like I, I just I I'm not saying either of those are right, but I've never subscribed to the whole like. As soon as somebody does something that I disagree with, I am immediately stopping. You know, I mean, granted, the Chris Brown thing is more extreme because right. obviously he's not a, he's a shitty dude. Right. So it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit more of a conflict. But I would never judge you for listening to a Chris Brown song as a female. Like that to me is insane. Right. And there are people that do that. Oh yeah, of course. It's all or nothing with a lot of people. Well, since we got into our big debate, Steve, does that mean we don't have to talk about party schools? Because I had my argument ready. <laughs> I'm always like ready to go, um, but I feel like we just did our big debate, so it would be interesting for us to do back to back debates. I'll say this about the party school thing. I talked about it with my buddies and my friend Mike, who you've met, whose girlfriend is a – I mean, they live in Big Ten country. They live in Chicago. They go to Madison. They go to Milwaukee. Yeah. She went to Wisconsin. Mike is on my side. Mike believes it's the Big Ten. And I'll rest my case because I feel like I'm not saying that you guys can't drink. I'm just saying that you guys drink probably more than anyone else, meaning you're probably likely to throw up more than anyone else. That's my only logic. So you're telling me a guy from the Northeast who just happens to live in the Midwest <laughs> is the authority on Midwest drinking habits. Yes, yes. He's seen the best of both worlds. I guess so So have you. But, I mean, you. it's not like the Northeast and where we were was some sort of, like, college, you know, hotbed. You know, you, like, maybe if you lived in New Haven, it'd be a little bit different, but you live in Hartford. So right. I'll say this. You have to at least agree with me on this. I'm not discrediting the drinking abilities of the Big Ten. Of the Big Ten. I'm, just, I'm actually paying you a compliment by saying, you guys drink so much that it is statistically more likely that you are also going to throw up more. You know, just by the, if just if we're playing the percentages, that's my only argument. Okay. Well, here's my <laughs> argument, Steve. According to the dictionary, tolerance refers to the ability of some people to consume things in larger amounts before feeling its effects. If I'm consistently consuming more alcohol, it's going to take more for me to feel the effects. If it takes me longer to feel the effects, it's going to take me longer to get to the point where I get sick. According, no. Steve, to niche.com, let me read to you how many wow, big... Wow. How many we're, big... It's like a bibliography here. <laughs> how many Big Ten schools are in the top 25 party schools in 2020? We've got Wisconsin coming in at number three. Illinois, shout out Illini, coming in at number five. Penn State, uh, number 10. Iowa, number 12. Indiana, been there, Bloomington can party at number 17. And rounding out the top 25, we have Michigan State at number 22. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six schools in the top 25, Steve, of party schools in America that reside in Big Ten country. So if I have six schools that can drink more, I think my chances of them not throwing up are greater. Boom. Okay. Thank you, niche.com. I don't think one thing you just threw out there proves your point because that's not what I'm arguing. What I'm arguing is that, yes, you guys party more. You are, I would say, the Big Ten is probably the party conference of all the conferences, right? But that proves my point. That proves that you guys drink more. Just because your tolerance is high doesn't mean you don't overdo it still. Just because, for, for example, let's put some numbers behind this. Say in the ACC, it takes the average ACC student five beers before they're drunk, and it takes the average Big Ten person seven beers before they're drunk, mm-hmm. right? I would argue that just because it's more 
people in the Big Ten are still pushing the limit. People in the Big Ten are still drinking eight, nine, ten beers and throwing up, whereas people in the ACC are only drinking five, six, seven. Just because you're drinking more doesn't mean you don't throw up. It just means that you then drink more in turn and throw up because of it. Your tolerance is higher, but you still cross that line. Every college student knows their limit and passes that limit. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I would say because you guys have more drinkers, you are statistically more likely to also have more pukers. That's it. So, Steve, you now host a great NBA podcast, Scallon Pals. That's analytics right there. What's up? Okay, let me me ask you a question. (laughs) Your first couple shows with Scal, you look back on them, and now you'd say you're much better, right, than you were hosting when you were really fresh and new, right? So, Correct. so experience has made you better. Experience has allowed you to know when to switch topics, how to tease correctly. You're not saying it's been real as you close out a show anymore because you Most have e- experience <laughs> under your belt. So you know your limits. You know what's good. You know what's bad. Listen, the freaking Pac-10 is you on your first couple shows saying it's been real. The Big Ten is you now weaving in and out of topics, closing and hitting I the clock. I can't believe you are bringing in the logic of drunk people people drunk people don't have logic michelle they don't they don't there's no experience in being drunk you're just drunk if your limit is seven beers that doesn't mean that once you hit seven that because you've done it more that you're not going to hit eight nine ten it just means you consume alcohol at a higher level therefore you are going to puke at a higher level as well this is simple body chemistry i'm paying you a compliment by saying this for example if the average I would say you, because you guys party more, it is also statistically more likely that you guys party too hard more. What do you have to say to that? I think that you didn't go to a party school is what I think because I can tell you something. I didn't go to a party school. I did not. I, but that doesn't mean, I've been to enough schools. I've seen enough things during my travels, oh, whether it's travels, with shows or with going to other schools because at Quinnipiac, we would tra- – I mean, listen, it wasn't – like you're 100% right. I did not go to a massive party school. Right. So, Steve, your travels – several schools. Listen, you're a visitor. Take it from someone who lived it. Take it from someone who owns real estate there, okay? When yeah, you- but you're also biased in that. Of course you're not going to think that you guys are pukers. In fact, I'm probably the least biased person because I'm not even in a Power 5 conference. I have no biases here. And my favorite school is in the Big Ten. That's true. You are a Wisconsin Badger <laughs> through and through. You are. You are. I mean, you are. I, I consider you a Big Ten guy. I hope you know that. Yeah, listen, I'm a Madison guy. Yeah. I, you know, listen, I, I would expect when I, went to, when I go to Madison, People are going to get hammered, and they're going to be puking, and no. I wouldn't judge them for it. That's you know just the life do? of a college student. They're going to know because... how to rally, and they're going to stay out till 2, 3 in the morning, and then they're going to okay. get pizza, and then they're going to be like, after hours? No, it's, it's a bootin' rally, though. Just because it's you not saw rally, that on Beer Fest rally. once, Steve, just because you saw that on Beer Fest doesn't mean it's no, 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 really no, no, how no. it works. Okay? Oh, I've, I've, first off, I've bootin' rallied many times. Have uh, you? So bootin' rally is 100% a real thing. It's not just from Beer Fest. It is a very accurate thing. Um, and again, you throwing out the numbers of schools and how big of partiers they are only proves my point. It only proves my point. Mm, I disagree. I think we're just going to have to end this <laughs> we're never gonna agree at an impasse. Yeah, Leave us a review. Apple Podcasts, let us know whose side you're on after you heard both of our arguments. But you know what? I want to end this on a positive note, Steve. And you know what I think we need to do is we need to plan a trip to Madison. Yeah, actually, like I said, my buddy Mike, is they go there all the time. His girlfriend Jess went to Madison. 
or she went to Madison. She she went to Wisconsin. They mm-hmm. travel to Madison frequently, and we've talked about going there a million times. I haven't been back since that original time. Maddie's never been. Oh my god, we got to take Obviously, her. We shared the fishbowl there at Wando's. We need to do. I mean, yes, we, we should do this. We should one hundred percent do this. That is okay. So we always talk about our road trip to Florida State being the time that we became BFFs. But I truly think the beginning of it all is when we shared a fishbowl at Wando's, and I yeah. have the photo to prove it. And I should tweet that out. Maybe I will. Maybe I'm going to put that out today as like a throwback Thursday because that was the moment where I was like, man, Steve and I are drunk in Wisconsin together and we're having a great time. I like this guy. We're going to be able to work together. (laughs) Yes. All right. So we just need to read. We need to do this again. We need to do this again with Maddie because obviously you'll want her there. I mean, duh, (laughs) Um, she's coming. I want to see my friend Mike and Jess. So let's do this. Let's. I mean, it is one of my favorite places on earth that I have not spent that much time in. I'll say that. I'm looking at the 2020 football schedule to see if it's out. It is. Okay. When do we play Illinois? Oh, my God, Steve. Uh Uh-oh. Wisconsin plays Illinois at Madison, and it's Madison. It's Wisconsin's homecoming. Yes. All right. What's the date? Halloween, which, oh, my God, Steve. Halloween is Wisconsin's (laughs) biggest weekend. So my friends are all from Chicago, and they had friends that went to all Big Ten schools that we would go visit. And the number one weekend that people would go visit Wisconsin is Halloween. It's off the chain there. We need to book it our is, tickets now. Yeah, listen, it's it's fate. It's destiny. It's going to happen. I'm all in. Wait, should we do a pod meetup where people can come hang out with us? Yeah. And we say, if well, you listen I to this. I failed on the first one, so yes. Yeah, you kind of owe us one. But if anyone I, listen, is down, come meet up. No, I mean, not really. You didn't pick up. Oh, all right. I was driving. My bad. But, yeah. I, but the thought was there. Wait, I am so hyped about this. Will you commit to this right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I, what, I don't, what do I have going on 2020 Halloween? I mean, it feels like, feels like I'm open. It should be good. <laughs> Will you dress NBA up? would have just started, but that's not a big deal. Oh my God, right. and it's a Saturday. It's a Saturday, yeah. obviously. I'll fly out Friday. You can fly out so Friday. We'll be- I will get us an Airbnb so we can do the full college experience Here's where I wake do. up, kegs and eggs. Well, I'm going to fly into Chicago. Yes. I'll drive with Maddie. If you want to meet us in Chicago, meet us in Madison, whatever. Oh we'll God. get into Madison that evening that night. We'll be good to go there Friday night. All Friday night, all day Saturday, Saturday night. Let's do it. Hold on a second. You might want to fly into Milwaukee. I think that drive from Chicago. Chicago to Milwaukee. It's like two hours, right? Well, it's probably, it's, the thing is because it's easier for me to fly into Chicago than oh, it is Milwaukee. that I can confirm. Um, for you, it probably doesn't matter, but. I'll drive either way. I mean, what's like five, six hours in the car? In the Midwest. I mean, that's just what people do. I love a good road trip. I have no oh, problem with the road trip. I don't can, mind driving at all. If you can get to Milwaukee, it's only an hour and a half. What's it from Chicago? Two, almost three. Oh my God! Yeah, here's here's the better Google: St. Louis to Madison, five and a half hours. Yeah, I was gonna say you can mm, fly into St. Louis, but I don't know if you. I don't know if I have that in me, honestly. Um, okay, so this is happening. Illinois, wow, prepare, everyone, prepare. Wisconsin, Halloween, twenty twenty. My God, I hope that this is the right football schedule that I looked at because if I am wrong, well, we got time to figure it out. That I haven't been as excited for anything, I think, in my life than I am. And and think about it. We can show Maddie the place that you loved. We can take her to Wando's. What's that brat place that we went that's on the corner? I don't even remember, but I loved it. Yeah, it was like so uh, good. I love their downtown. Remember we went to that coffee shop that was so good? And then they have oh I love it. Okay, we're going. I'm sending out an APB, and we should tell all of our friends from ESPN to come too. I'll see if Golik Jr. I'll be like Golik Jr. Get everyone at Game Day. 
you do. Gold Jr., I I mean, I just respect that. Like, it seems like whenever there's something happening, he's there. It's incredible. (laughs) You know what? You're so right. He is always there. It's not like FOMO, though. Like, it's not. He just is always down for a good time. Always. I can confirm he's always down for a good time. I've had many with him. This is the true testament to how cool he is, is that he's always in the mix. It doesn't matter if it's work or with friends or whatever. If there's a cool scene happening, Gold Jr. in the mix. Yeah, and you know, I don't, I don't claim that we're similar ages. I think he's a year or two younger than me, and we both grew up in Connecticut, but in very different circumstances. He strikes me as the guy in high school who was just friends with every friend group. He would hang out with the goths. Yes. He'd hang out with the jocks. He'd yep. be cool with the nerds. He would sing with the band. I, it's incredible. He's like a friend chameleon. It's unbelievable. Is he? So shout out to Golick Jr. Shout out to Golick Jr. I'm going to have to tell him we shouted him out on this podcast. He's one of the people that, I, I mean, I list a lot of people at ESPN, but uh, I, I do miss him. He's a genuinely great dude. He is the best. Is he the most likable person at ESPN? It's impossible not to like the guy. I know. Like he, because he's just so versatile and, and adaptable into like any situation you throw him into. And I'm so not like that. Like I'm, you know, you know me, like I don't know, just negative, moody, this, this, and that. Like he's the, he is just like, you throw him into whatever group and he's going to shine. Was it you guys that were arguing about who was the better wedding date? Cause I know obviously you didn't think you're the best wedding date ever. Like I could go junior has to be up there as far as wedding date. Oh, honestly, like if you're drafting. We played the game with Rosello and Canal. If you were going to be drafted number one overall at anything, what would it be? And I said, as a wedding date, because I crush it at weddings. Now, if we're talking about our draft rank, if Michael Jr. is in my draft class, I know I'm not going number one overall, okay? I'll still be yeah, top five. Got, not yeah, only that, okay, so it. here's the thing. Everything are off the charts. Measurables off the charts. No red flags. And here's the thing. Everything that I excel at, everything that I'm good at, as far as a wedding is concerned, he crushes me, okay? I always say I can hang out with the, with your guy friends and I can also hang out with the girls. Golick Jr. is going to be able to talk hardcore sports. I'm talking breaking it down with the dudes, telling them inside the locker room stories from Notre Dame and then slamming beers with them. And then you know as soon as Bruno Mars comes on, he is out on the dance floor with all the ladies and they're like, we love Mike. Yeah. He's so fun. Talk about Pilot Pete on the back or whatever the hell his name is. Yes, he's going to exactly. crush me. And I always say, you know when to get in. You have to know when to get out. You need to stay till the DJ comes, but not be the last person there. You know Gold Jr. could be the last person there, and he's ordering pizzas for everyone, and everyone's having a great time. Damn it. Yes. He has He has stolen my throne. This sucks. I know. It's not fair. Shouldn't be good at that many things. <laughs> yeah. He is really good anyway, at Anyway, but he'll certainly hop on a plane to Madison. He's in. Hold yeah. on. Should I text him right now and be like, if Yo, we- 2021 or 2020. On. Halloween, you in? <laughs> I guarantee you, he'd respond yes. He's not even gonna. He wouldn't even be like, "What's the date?" Hold on, I'm texting him. If we got a group together, although he's got a, he's that's busy time for him though. He might. I mean, he does games, so he might have another game that Saturday. Hopefully, tell him to get on. Tell him to hit up Lee Fitting and get him on the, the that game. He he needs to do Wisconsin Illinois that weekend. Don't ask questions. Just, just figure it out. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let's see. What should the text say? I'm saying Rooney and I are talking. <laughs> Would you be down? <laughs> <laughs> I said, if we go to Madison next season, if you don't have a game, would you be down? Immediate response, of course. Uh-huh. Okay, sending. It's sent. We'll give him three minutes and see if he responds. I have no doubt he will respond. Unless he's in the gym or something or like actually working. Damn, now I... Oh, he's responding. The bubble is... <laughs> the yeah. dots are moving. Yeah, there's no doubt. 
He's not one of those like weight text guys. I feel like it's just like he's not like there. You know that game you play where you're like, all right, I've seen this text. I'll give it some time. No, 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 no. Immediate response. His response is the best response of all time. He says, "Oh fuck yes, I love Madison and you guys. Easiest yes ever." <laughs> and it's done. It's been. We're committed. Here we go. We're pot committed. As if we needed another reason to explain why he is the most likable person on planet Earth. Yeah. All right. Well, and listen, I guess we're just, we're, this thing's public, so whoever else wants to show up, we're, we're going to be there. So. And Gold Jr.'s in. So even if you don't care about Steve and I, come hang out with Mike Gold Jr. He will be the guy that has beers with you. Definitely. He'll, he'll be the guy drinking the fishbowl by himself. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, I'm glad we ended this on a positive note, Steve. I mean, man, we debated yeah, this a lot was, this week. This was intense. This was um, this was the weirdest slash maybe best podcast we've ever done because of the variety of subjects we covered. <laughs> I mean, we got into politics. We got into breaking uh, like, down battle techniques in fucking different wars. <laughs> we got into the art of the divorce. I mean, this is yeah, really. <laughs> this is a, this, well, you know what? I'll, I'll bring this thing full circle, just like we talked about with a good playlist. I'll, this is the third time I bring it up. This had the highs and lows for sure. So this is about as good as podcasting gets, people. Should we walk away like champions? Yeah, we, got, we, got, we can't do this. We're done. This, this is, is our as good as you're going to get? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, thanks for doing this, Steve. We will talk to you soon in like a month, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. It's been, it's been real. It's, oh, damn. You beat me to the punch. Damn it. Damn it, Steve. Sit back. Relax. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. It's time for a review on the Small Talk Podcast with Michelle Smallman. Brought to you by Land Rover St. Louis. All right, let's work in a review. This one says, all you have to say is Michelle and Saruti, five stars. I'm just about to listen to this pod, but even reading that Saruti was on as a guest again with Michelle is all I needed. I know it'll be great, informative, funny, and I'll listen to it 20 more times. This just made my day. Can't wait to hear it. Thank you, Michelle and Saruti, for making time to do another podcast together with your crazy schedules. The best podcast duo out there. Thank you for those kind words, and I, too, love doing the podcast with Steve. He is the best, and we do have really busy schedules, so when we get to connect for a pod, it is like two old friends catching up. It's really just a catch-up phone conversation between the two of us that you guys are privy to. Always love chatting with Steve. He'll be back next month. But we will be back in action next week. But until then, keep it real. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.